Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're going to talk today with a very interesting guest. And I think that many, many of you will relate to the fact that we think we know what's going to happen next in our lives. And we think we have all the tools necessary to manage what the next phase brings. But life sometimes brings you moments that you did not anticipate and that changes the trajectory of your life in ways never even considered. And so we're going to be talking today with Emma Johnson, author of the Kick-Ass Single Mom book. And it's really terrific. It's very accessible. I've been really enjoying this book. And I want to dispel notions that everybody who's a single mom was either widowed or divorced. And there are other reasons why that you may find yourself a single mother. And it's very interesting to me that we make assumptions about why people are where they are in life. And I, I find that as women, we should know better than to think that we know why someone is where they are and why they've taken the step they are. So, Emma, I am just delighted to welcome you to Wise Health for Women Radio this morning. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Well, I am really pleased because I think that you bring a rather unique tale to the story, except that I think it will resonate with many people. And your becoming a single mom was very different than most people's journey into that adventure. Uh, We've already mentioned sometimes it's divorce. Sometimes it's you're widowed. Sometimes it is something completely different. It's it's very different. And in your case, as I read the intro to your book, and then later on in the book with specific topics, you bring an unusual perspective to the fact that no matter the changes that take part in your life, there are ways to resolve them. And you bring it in a very expressible, accessible way that we can meet challenges. Women are amazingly resourceful. Mm-hmm. And isn't that it amazing? Is, you know, I know. Well, we can get into my story, but I, it was, you know, it's funny. It was like, gosh, a, several years after the, um, the unwinding well, first of tell people, yeah. yeah, tell people the story of, of how you came to do all of these things that you do because this came about because of a certain event. Yeah, it did. I I mean, that's definitely part of the story. So just really briefly, I mean, I was married to a really nice guy. And I I really, it is important to say it was not a perfect marriage. It was a very, very hard relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, We were just very provocative to each other. But, you know, he is a wonderful guy. And I will always say that. we just, but but we, he was a committed dad, good husband. We just got on each other's nerves in a bad way. But 
we had we were new parents. We had a our daughter was fourteen months old. I'll always remember that fourteen months old and and he went away on a work trip, which he did often. He was a a, a network a video ph- photographer. He, he was a cameraman for a major news network, Global, and he fell off a cliff in Greece in a tiny island. Just super freak accident. Just misstepped and fell fifteen feet off of a cliff. And it was a beautiful island tourist spot, but there was no medical facilities there to speak of. And end up being air back to Athens after many, many hours of suffering from a brain injury, uh, which I've come to know a lot about brain injuries. I knew nothing about them before. Mm-hmm. And even though it was a very severe injury, he never was in a, a coma. He was eventually in a medically induced coma, which helps the brain heal, but, um, he fought through it and he woke up and he was like this miracle. The surgeon would brought around his colleagues in this hospital in Athens because his injury was so bad. And yet he woke up, he was speaking completely articulately. He had full function of his body, uh, which is uncommon, um, Mm -hmm. in any brain injury, much less one so severe. And he looked like my husband, and he sounded like him, and he smelled like this man that I had known for seven or eight years at that point, but he was different. And it was not a good different. It was horrible different. And uh, very to this day, I could say it's very hard for me to articulate what that difference was. But eventually he came home to our daughter and me, and I'm like, well, if we bring him home, everything's going to be fine. Get out of this foreign hospital, bring him home to his family, he'll be fine. And he wasn't fine. He was unstable and manic and unbearable and angry, and we fought way more than we ever fought before. And within a year, I was pregnant again, and he left, which was just absolutely stunning to me. I mean, this is a guy who had been raised without a father, really. His dad, he knew his dad, and his dad was in and out of his life, but his dad, like, had left, and his mm-hmm. dad was, you know, had different families around that we, he kind of, and his, my husband was so devoted to being, like, a committed, involved dad. We were both, we were both raised in divorced families. We were, we were both so committed to not being single parents and being married and staying married, and that this guy just up and left when I was pregnant. It was such a, Stunning, disgusting deviation from who I knew him to be. Now, you say you learned a lot about brain injuries. Have you since understood and found that the instability, the mood, the lack of verbal filters, the, the escapism, those are all symptoms of traumatic brain injury? It is. And, but it's, it's so insidious because um, I've learned anecdotally the saving grace for me was maybe about a year more after being in this. I found a support group um, of other people, loved ones of people with brain injuries and stroked. And that saved my life because nobody understood. Like people were so wonderful during that time of our lives. They were so supportive and giving, but no one got it. And people say, Oh, you know, uh, my brother's, uh, wife has cancer, so maybe you could talk to him and you'd relate. Or somebody has multiple squirrels. So, like, that is lovely, but that is helping me zero. No one got it. So all of those symptoms, yes, I came to know. But you know what it is? Is that brain injuries almost always, from what I understand, they take a person's existing qualities and almost always they're negative ones. We all have good and bad qualities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's your worst qualities and amplifies them. So it is so difficult to suss out 
what is just a symptom of this freak accident and what is a symptom of this guy being a total bastard and you hated that quality even before. Right. Well, but <laughs> you're, right, like you're mind, right. It was a mind game. It was such a mind mess. And I'm like, okay, it was such this, oh, I'm the well spouse. I am the caregiver. It is my job to care for this man. Mm-hmm. He is being totally abusive to me. I have to put my foot down. But he is an autonomous adult. So, for example, if he is going to, even though the doctors forbid him to drive, if he's going to get on his moped and drive around New York City at 3 o'clock in the morning with a moped, I had zero recourse, legally, morally, nothing. He is an adult. He had legal 50% custody of my child because he is the biological father and we are married and living as a married family. He could have taken her on that moped in the middle of the night and I would have no record. I had, it was, but I felt an obligation to him as a spouse, as a a woman who loved this man romantically and was married. It was such a muddle of Mm -hmm. emotions, of intellect, of morality. And it was the, Dark, it was the darkest time. It was so unbelievably. And then I had a very, very small child and then I was pregnant and that was my priority and I had to take care of myself and right. no one got it. Like people were so well-meaning, but they did not get it. And then for the record, if you're, if you identify with this and the medical establishment seems worthless, I'm here to tell you they're absolutely worthless. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. I work with a lot of injured vets who have traumatic yeah. brain injury and they are each one is different as you've already mentioned but risky behaviors the executive decision making the lack of filters the 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 self knowledge that they've got it get out of my way that is all very prevalent and it is really hard for families to get and i will also add that invisible injuries such as that where everyone looks normal mm-hmm. people are not going to get it and they're just say he's a jerk yeah, and including their wives. <laughs> <laughs> well, in many ways, they, they are not acting like the person that you knew. And so uh, what you're describing, characteristics of someone that you wouldn't choose to be around at that point. But I, I, I do find it interesting that you did find a support group, and then they got it. So how did that feel when that finally happened? Oh, my God. It's it's funny. I'm You know... I'm thinking back to that time now and it was such a relief. It's really guided my life. The value I'd never been in any kind of like support. Like I'm a kind of a loner. My core competency is writing and staying at home alone and writing in my home office. And I'm not a joiner. I'm trying to find religions. I just can't join at anything. I'm a, I'm a solo soul wolf, but that was really just, it was so validating, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had really made one main friendship that long lasting friendship uh that came out of that a lot of most of the people in this group were um uh, adult they were parents of adult children that had maybe suffered an accident at mm-hmm. work or you know it, it was a it was a variety of different brain like severe seizure disorders that resulted in brain injury different thing but my friend Steve he's much older than I am and had a, had a very long and happy marriage and his wife had a, a car accident and um so just to have him, and he was maybe like 10 years along in his process, um, and it was such a special friendship for me. And I think it was for him, too, then, to be able to kind of mentor me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. seeing this in me. And he had children, again, different demographic. They were older. But, um, yeah, 
I, I really, it's guided me. So my work now has moved on to single motherhood. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a journalist and I've always worked as a writer and journalist my whole career. Um, but really now my whole focus is on the single mother demographic and um, Wealthy Single Mommy is my blog. And now the book, which brought you and I together, mm-hmm. uh, uh, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, let me promote my book. But I found that um, the, the need for community was so, it's so we all need that so much, no matter what you are doing in your life. And so that has been a real foundation for the work that I do. I don't, focus, yeah, I don't focus on this, uh, the brain injured population. No. Emma, I've got to break in. We've got a break coming in just two seconds, and we'll be back right after this break. Here are the messages. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. One valuable secret to weight loss is to eliminate hunger. If you want to avoid intense food cravings, don't skip meals. Skipping a meal may seem like it's a good thing so that you will eat less. But the truth is, you will probably end up eating more than you usually do. The key is to eat many small meals, like six, instead of three big meals. Consuming regular meals of complex carbs with protein and a small amount of healthy fat will keep your blood sugar stable and you will feel satisfied. I know I run into problems when I don't eat for a while and I am starving. That is when I make bad food choices and overeat. So keep hunger at bay by eating small, healthy amounts every two to four hours. Concentrate on food with staying power. Don't let hunger set in. Eliminate it. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women. We're continuing our discussion with Emma Johnson on this wonderful book called The Kick-Ass Single Mom. And as you talked about coming out of uh, the relationship with your former husband and, and moving forward with your two children, what struck me in the book was how much you attributed to the gratitude to be able to make the choices that you could and that writing brought you peace and that the more vulnerable you became, the more of a following you gained. Yeah, it's true. Um, I have, I've been a journalist my whole career. Um, I used to work in newspapers and then for the Associated Press and I was a freelance business journalist for many years and, and I still do a little bit of that work. 
And I loved it. And I, I, I always say now uh, that I always told other people's stories. And then I started blogging about my own experience as a single mom. And then I started telling my own story. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was very therapeutic. And, uh, and it, it's an amazing thing. Social media is a beautiful thing because it's so immediate. So I write a blog post. I put it out. And I can see if it resonates with people. If they're talking about it, commenting, sharing. And it's, you know, I'm a writer. I have an ego. It likes to be stroked. <laughs> and so it likes that attention. And it became an immediate feedback loop. And, uh, and the more vulnerable I got, the more I connected with people, uh, the more I could help people and serve people through my own story. And, you know, my story was so painful and so confusing and long, you know, it's here we are. That was 2009, that accident we were talking about. It's eight years later. I just yesterday had my, my husband, my ex-husband and I have gone through, oh man, we have been at each other's throats. We've been in court. People have been served papers. Lots of not pretty things, really not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday was my birthday and I got, Oh, well, belated happy birthday. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm, my ego is not, I'm over it at this stage of life. I'm good, but thank you. Um, <laughs> I got a nice message from him, just happy birthday. And I said, you know what? I said, thank you. I said, I am so proud of us. I have a, I have this captured in text for posterity. Mm-hmm. I said, thank you. I said, I am so proud of us. We have come so far and we are getting along so well now. We're co-parenting wonderfully. We're flexible with each other. Uh, we have, and we enjoy our, you know, we will go out for family dinners with the kids for a birthday party. It, life is long. And I'm so proud of him. He uh-huh. has fought his way through such horrors, horrors. Uh-huh. And I think, you know what? It is an unusual story, but I, there's so much lesson in that for so many of us. Like life is long. Life is long mm-hmm. and you cannot predict. I think you opened up saying you absolutely cannot predict what is going to happen to you. But yeah, gratitude has been a foundation of my survival, really. Um, it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of, you know, I had a loss. I had thought my family was going to be one way and it's something else. That's a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, you know, but we often compare ourselves to other people, other married, quote unquote, perfect families. Instagram is not your friend if you're trying uh, to live. Neither awesome. is Facebook. What is it? The compare and despair? Yes, I've never heard that, but that's a great thing. But you know what? I, I have this moment in the book where I was in my, my son was just born. I couldn't hold him. I had a C-section. I didn't have a car. My friend drove me to family court and I was like, well, hell, this is exactly what my whole life was supposed to not be about to be the poor single mom. I did not want to be that broke. My mom, we could never get off welfare. Even though my mom's educated person, I'm like, here I am trying to get child support. I'm sitting in the courtroom. All I'm like, and I looked around, I'm like all these other mommies and their babies. And we are all here down and out trying to beg for money from these dudes that aren't paying, supporting their kids. And I'm like, God damn it, Emma, this is exactly what you did not want to do in life. It was such a low point. And I went through it and I got the child support for about a year. Uh, ultimately, I knew that I wasn't going to have any more because of the brain injury. And I'd like to talk about that. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I have everything in common with these women here. We're all just moms. We're just moms trying to make this work. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what? I have so many resources in this world that other women do not have in this country, in this city, in this world. It's two, at that time, it was 2010. But 2017, I have a 
education. I have a Rolodex. I know how to hustle. I am living in a time of unprecedented opportunities for women in education and career and finance and, you know, political and uh, legal rights that women mm-hmm. do not enjoy, that my mother did not enjoy just by the nature of when we are born and Timing. We born. Right. And I'm like, I have an obligation to tell a different story with my life. And it took us some time and it was hard, but I got on my, I got more on my feet. I, my husband had always made more money. I did well for myself and I had a lot of success before our divorce. But after that, I just blew out of the water anything I thought I was capable of professionally. And I stunned myself so much so that I realized that I was really had been holding myself back during my marriage for the sake of my marriage, which is a whole other story. And I yeah. Thought, whole topic. It's in the book, but I think that is a whole nother book that women, we know there's science that shows that women are most likely to drop out of the workforce altogether, just completely drop out at the moment their income is about to eclipse their husbands. We know that divorce rates for breadwinner wives is much higher than women that earn less. So that's when the women are earning more. But what about the women that consciously or unconsciously, like in my case, unconsciously hold themselves back? Yes. Right. You know, you bring up a huge point that you do bring through every one of the chapters in the book, but it is very hard to follow society's rules, um, the suggested norms for how a family is supposed to be and what a mom is supposed to be. And I think that it is so hard. And I think social media makes it harder. Do you agree with that or disagree? Oh, I think it does media overall. I mean, when it, you know, again, going into this tiny narrow focus of the single motherhood, when I became a single mom, I assumed I would be broke. I just didn't think about it. So much of this is unconscious and it really only takes important work like what you're doing to just ask people to question themselves that can completely shift a person's lives. So I tell you, there are no mainstream media messages that say, show a, a mom raising a family with kids without a, a committed romantic partner that's out there enjoying her dating life, professionally succeeding, not broke. Mm-hmm. There is just nothing. So I asked women, if you are assuming that you're broke, that you just con- connotate single motherhood with poverty, where does that message come from? And it comes from somewhere. It comes from somewhere. And it is probably a childhood message that you have not unpacked, a media message. I mean, the GOP was all over single moms for decades in the mm-hmm. most toxic way. So, you know, it, it's like, well, okay, of course that influences us. That influenced my idea about what I was capable of. But once you become aware of that and then you look around and, again, take stock of how many assets you have, even if your bank account is zero, you there is money out there to be made. There is a career out there that you can excel at, whereas our grandmothers did not have that. Take stock of that and your life will change forever. You know, I think you're exactly right. And I think it's also that society has gone through these these sweeps of cycles where you're told, no, you have to be the trailing spouse uh, if you're married. Um, but then if you e- eclipse your spouse with earning potential or ambition, that often doesn't end well. There's a lot of societal notions that come and go. Um, you're told you can, what was the song? You can fry up the bacon, bring it home in a pan, and, and still look one. June Cleaverish at the end of the day. I mean, there's been so many things that have gone on that I think were were fallacies. 
and that we're finding them to be fallacies. And what you're bringing up is take a look, take a look at yourself, look at your assets. What are your blessings? What can you do? And, you know, it, I've never felt that men define us, but it, or the, what was the thing in Jerry Maguire? You complete me. Oh, oh my, stomach, my stomach twisted with that one. <laughs> Right. Um, but I do think that you're, you're bringing up points that are often societal and ingrained in us, especially whenever we were brought up. And so as you took a look at this, what was your overriding thing? Get out your ex and start kicking some butt? Or what? It was start. It was survival. And I find okay. this is true that it's a very human experience, but when you become a single mom, whether it's divorce, I mean, I want to point out 64% of millennial moms are having children outside of a marriage. True. Marriage rates are at an all time low. I'm an old fogey because I got married, then had a baby and then got divorced. Like that's the old fashioned way of doing things. <laughs> and, and young women just are not, they just are not connecting marriage and motherhood. Those are two separate things. Women often do want to get married, but that has nothing to do with having kids. Um, so it's a new age for what family means. And the, that June Cleaver family has not been the statistical majority in this country in, since uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. It's now the minority. So it's over. Like that idea has been passe for a long time. It is a new age for families, which is amazing. We have gay families and multi-generation families and adoptive families, single right. families. It's amazing what, that we can do anything that we want and still raise wonderful members of society. But the downside of that is that it's confusing, right? Yes. It's easy. Yes. And for as, as somebody even self-proclaimed independent uh, lone wolf, for me, it still can be overwhelming to figure out, like, how do we do this? What's norm? What's good? Like, how do I do the holidays? Or, you know, what should be the, the chore the chore schedule for my kids? It's, <laughs> there's a zillion decisions you have to make in life, when you're, especially when you're raising children. And, and our parental role models are the, um, the go-to, of course, right? That's just mm-hmm. normal and human. That is absolutely normal and human. But back to your question about when you come to this role of single motherhood or any trauma, any new turn in life, mm-hmm. it's like for me, it really was, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have an organized religion I ascribe to. I do have a rich spiritual life and I, well, I would keep my act together. I'm good at putting on a poker face and I would just take care of business all day long. And when I was really at the height of it, I was pregnant. My ex-husband was super, at the time, husband was super unstable, threatening to leave. I was so scared and I would just on, I would just lose my, I would lose it at night. Like I, the kid, my daughter would go to bed and I would go into my room. Like I would sit on my toilet seat. I have a tiny New York ba- city bathroom and, uh, I would sit on the toilet. It's so small. Like if you know, New York city apartments, even if you have a nice big apartment, you still have a little bathroom and I'd sit on the toilet. I was so pregnant and like lean my head on the sink and just cry and cry and cry. Just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And I got so big, my belly was so big. I couldn't lean over and rest my head. And I felt <laughs> so even more depth. I'm like, can I even get this one tiny pathetic comfort? Um, but I would always, you know, I, I hate to bag on my own mom too much because she really was resourceful and gave my brothers and me so many opportunities. Yeah, I'm so sorry, we've got another yes. break coming on and we will finish with that story right after these messages. We'll be right back. Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
Did you ever wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a wing-doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitzen had male names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a Hoopin' Daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hello, listeners. It's time for more News of the Odd. The U.S. frigate Constellation creaks and groans on its moorings in the Baltimore Harbor. But visitors to this historic ship, built in 1797 and used as the first man of war in the U.S. naval fleet, have heard and seen more than just seagulls and the sound of gentle waves. The ghost of an old sailor named Neil Harvey, in the garb of yesteryear, appears to visitors. The ghost of Captain Thomas Truxton and an unnamed watchman who fell asleep on duty and was executed, reputedly by being strapped to the ship's gun and blown to smithereens, are said to also haunt this ship. And just for your information, I'll nail you for that, comes from a rather gruesome punishment for crimes committed at sea. The accused would be nailed to the ship's mast by his earlobes and left until nightfall as punishment. Stay tuned to astronetradio.com for more news of the odd. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Emma Johnson, author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom. And I, I think that single motherhood can come upon you suddenly or gradually or you see it coming. But any way you arrive there and you want to change it, what does that look like for most people and what did it look like for you? What was the part that you said, that's it, I am breaking out of this kind of negative spiral and I'm I'm not going to be a statistic. What made you do that? Well, it was that moment I think in the courthouse where I was like I this isn't my story. It's my story right now and I have to go through this, but I am just going to tell a different story and you know, one of my prayers, like I would just in those dark, but pregnant, miserable, crying fit nightly <laughs> moments, I was like I just you know what? My mom was just never really got over her divorce. You know, it was, she felt like she married poorly. She never had a significant romantic relationships. She always identified as this poor single mom. And she was, even though she's extremely bright, educated, capable person. And I was always angry at her about that because, you know, I just felt like she was angry and it really affected the tenor of our home. It affected mm. my ability to connect with her um, as a 
child and as an adult, to be honest. And I just kept saying, I'm like, I need to get through this and not be bitter. I need to get through this and not be bitter. I need to be forgiving. And I didn't know what that looked like because everything was so overwhelming and so confusing with the brain injury and so much happening. Mm. And you know what? I, I, you know, I started to say, I like the, it's so evidence that it's taken so long and I am, I feel like I have such a nice relationship with my ex-husband now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a gift I give to my kids, but it's a gift I give to myself uh, because I love him. I have known that guy for like, what, 15, 16 years. And you know how it is with old friends. Like there is nothing like an old friend. Right. When I, we have, we have so many shared experiences together. He knows my crazy family. I know his crazy family. We know lots of old friends together. There is just a common unspoken language between us as there would be between any, any two mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. have known and loved each other for so long. That is precious. That is a precious thing that it's a gift to all of us. And you know, it is, I could not have envisioned it at many moments along this journey, but it is just, I feel like I have opened my heart to new experiences. Um, I think it's always been who I am. I've always loved to travel and have lots of adventure and open to new experiences in life. And I didn't think one of those experiences would be the spouse of a, a brain injured man. Because <laughs> like, that's not on like the roster of like choosing. No, it's not adventures. on anybody's bucket list, right? <laughs> But it is not an experience, at all. And I can say this as the well spouse, you know, I would mm-hmm. never wish this experience on any person or any family, but I, it has afforded me so much growth and it made me a better person, mother, artist, professional business person. I feel like I'm able to approach business in such a more mature way. Like I have had an awesome year this year. You can't believe the money I've made this year. But if I had had this experience 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, I would not have had the maturity to realize that next year might be in the toilet. Like life is long and the ups and downs are inevitable. And it just makes me super, it makes me a much cooler person. Well, it does. And I I think what you're bringing up is post-traumatic growth, whether it's brain Mm -hmm. injury, whether it's divorce, whether it's a car accident, whether it's any number of things, trauma is trauma. But we do have the ability to arise better from that trauma. You mentioned earlier that you wore a mask. I can relate to that very well. Isn't it more freeing when you take off the mask and you become you? It is. And that's where the vulnerability comes Mm -hmm. in, which I really don't think I was really able to express until I started writing. So for me, it's very interesting, this journey. I started writing about my experience um, on my blog. It was a couple of years after my marriage ended. Mm -hmm. So that was probably like three years after this accident, this whole thing got started. And it was precipitated, this blog, I had uh, maybe a year and a half or so after my marriage ended, I started a relationship. It became a serious boyfriend for me for about a year. And it was a very intense, you know, it was probably that first intense Mm -hmm. post-breakup romance, very sexually intense for both of us. And when it ended, I just lost my mind. Like, I just was so sad, so, so sad for so long. And it wouldn't stop. Like that pain was relentless. And I found that that I wrote about that mm-hmm. as a way of processing it. And it took me a long time in getting a lot of feedback from others. That post that I wrote about that post divorce breakup has mm-hmm. remained one of the most popular. And I can help you unpack it if this is your experience. 
you know, a, a marriage or a big relationship ends, there's so many logistical things like you're dealing with the kids and the real right. estate and the money and all this logistical stuff, which is huge. It's your life. It's like uh-huh. the real life stuff. Uh-huh. But you and you might end up mourning that, right? You mourn uh-huh. what your family look like. You get over the financial part of it sorted out. But rarely do you mourn the romantic love that is over. Uh-huh. And often, most marriages, that love, that romantic connection, it peters out over time. It's uh-huh. not one giant cleave. It's it's a longer piddling out. So then... It's on all of that becomes muddled up in this breakup in this really intense post-divorce romance, which was very much my experience. So I, it was very cathartic for me, but I found for me, you know, it was a very much of a process about my writing and my motherhood, right? I was leaning into my motherhood and my sexuality, my gender. And I really came into my sexual self after my divorce and in this period of my life in dating. And it's been a very wonderful experience. And I've really poured that into my work because I feel like there's a lot of sexism out there when it comes to mothers. I think as a culture, we're roughly very comfortable with young women, young people dating. Like I don't, I expect my children are going to date many people and have Mm -hmm. different sexual partners. They're going to live with people they're not married to. And I'm cool with that. That was my story. We're all kind of okay with that, but there's a different set of rules collectively for moms, for moms, right? And it's very sexist. And it's again, I, I pose this even to very progressive people. And I say, don't like, why are you shielding your kids from your, your dating? Like, why are you pretending you're going to go to a meeting when you're just going out on a, a nice date? And they are like, oh, well, because I don't want to try. I'm like, think about that. You're not thinking about it critically. <laughs> and just by sharing that, it's like people are like, oh, wow. Like, they just don't think about it as, as we all do, as we said. Like, there's all these scripts that we adhere to. We just don't challenge them. So um, I'm I'm just very grateful for all of this process because as much trauma as my family has gone through, I feel like one I personally have had a lot of amazing experiences that have come out of it, and I it's brought me to my highest calling. I feel like I'm really involved uh, in a lot of important activism, uh, gender equality mainly uh-huh. uh, for all women and and families, and it's for women and. Gender equality is not just about women, it's for men. And when we talk about parenting, one of my big passions has become shared parenting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ladies, if we want equality in Washington, we want equality in the workforce, we don't want the Harvey Weinsteins of the world Mm -hmm. uh, terrorizing our daughters, we need equality at home. And that means that we need equal partners for our parenting and our running our households, whether we're married to people living with them or not. Gender equality has to go across all spheres. And when families separate, that means shared parenting. That means both partners get uh, equal legal rights to the kids and equal time with the kids. And it's hard. It's hard. There's so much pressure on moms to be the the main parent, to be the better parent. And there's just so much science. There's 55 peer-reviewed studies that show that shared parenting is what is best for kids including in high-conflict situations, 55. Well, and the courts are mimicking that because they're almost always delivering 50-50 these days. No, actually, the courts are lagging. I'm not sure where you are. Um, There's some states. Arizona is one leader. Uh, West Coast tends to be more. Yeah, I'm in Maryland, and and ours was always 50-50. In fact, you really have to be 
very much on the extremes not to have the 50-50. Yeah, great. What Unfortunately, love- it's 80% nationwide, 80% if there's wow. any kind of conflict, 80% of the time it goes to the moms. But to your point, uh, in 28 states now, there's legislation that has been introduced to uh, support shared parenting as the default. So, yes, you're absolutely right. The court, it doesn't really matter what your argument is, uh, moms sure. or dads listening. The courts are going to decide, but collectively as a culture, right? We have policy, mm-hmm. then we have legislation, and then we have uh, culture follows that. And it's all, it's painful. These uh, these changes can be very disruptive to people's assumptions about their role and their kids' lives. And it can be hard, but ultimately it's amazing. It is so wonderful. I'm here to tell you, it is amazing to have an evolved co-parent. It's great for the kids, but it's great for you, moms, because you are free. You can't, You it takes away your ability to uh, play the uh, the downtrodden mom burdened with everything. <laughs> But guess what? You don't have to be the downtrodden mom burdened with anything every, anymore, and you're free to go live a, a richer life and be that much better of a role model for your kids. Well, and if both are really adhering to that attitude, the, the, the saying is more is caught than taught. So if you're both modeling good, positive, healthy behavior, it really does help. I've actually seen it turn otherwise non-participatory dads into great dads yeah and you know moms are are the same thing you know it works both ways and so i i do tend to agree with you that way even though it is sometimes painful for the two parents but if you can be reasonable with one another you fell in love with them in the first place and so it's helpful to remember why you did and it can help evolve over time. We are coming up on our final break, and I would love to give you more time to talk about some of these other notions that have now become overcome by the way society treats people and and situations. And we'll talk after the break that what you're bringing to light is more or less a a modern take on what you can be and that just because the rules and circumstances change doesn't mean that you can't be all that you have ever wanted to be or even go beyond what you may have thought was possible because of your new situation. So we're going on a break. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. You can find out more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com and we will be back after these short messages. We're talking to Emma Johnson, kick-ass single mom. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's Did you hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. 
With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become Bruxel maniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A Bruxel maniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Um, on the break, Emma and I were talking about the fact that so often we are giving ourselves negative self messages. You know, we messed up our kid or we set ourselves back by our poor choices or we were so proud that we turned away uh, alimony and custody and um, child support and all of those kinds of things. I think we have to recognize that everybody does the best that they can at the time that they did. But in your talking to other parents via your blog and now your book, what were some of the assumptions that were blown out of the water about your children? Uh, well, that they're going to be messed up. I mean, I am a product of divorce and I'm a good person. <laughs> I have two brothers, <laughs> and they're great guys. They're both like really great guys, and they married well, and they're good dads now themselves. Great uncles to my kids, and uh-huh. um, and you know we're in we're like second slash third generation of this mass divorce era. Uh-huh. So there's lots of evidence, a lot, you know, anecdotal and statistical evidence. But in terms of the kids, you know, I just really feel like. I owe my kids my best self. Mm-hmm. And part of that is going and having an awesome career. I've always been ambitious, but uh, having uh, whatever that means for you. I just was listening to my kids and I love to listen to the moth, the storytelling project on mm-hmm. um, podcasts in the car. Mm-hmm. And there was one last night, this woman, her whole passion in life was to be an actuarial scientist, like a total numbers are like, she's so passionate about it. Like whatever your, <laughs> and she was really funny and cute about it. And but like, whatever your nerd passion is, you do that because that is what lights your fire. That's what life makes life worth living. And if you can show your kids that passion, you can come to dinner after a long day of nerding out about numbers, or in my case, single mom blogging or whatever your nerd passion is, what a gift to give to your kids. Like you are showing them uh, exactly what you need to be showing them and then going and earning. Women are the worst that we are taught that it's impolite to be ambitious, that we are gold diggers and greedy if we like making money. No, money is one. It's safety. (laughs) It's a currency. Yep. It is safety. 33%. We need to talk. We need to do a whole nother show about this. Okay. Thirty-three, three, a third. 33% of women in the United States are domestic violence victims at the hand right. of some of the an intimate part. A third. And a third. intimate partner violence, IPV. Yep. Yep. And it is not specific to race or income. It is No, it's women. across all. Right. Gender. Mm-hmm. And 100% of those cases, uh, financial abuse is involved. You cannot leave if you don't have your own money. You have no power if you have no money. And your own money that you earn that is in your account that nobody else can touch. 
And I that's an interesting point because I've had financial planners on and everybody talks about joint accounts. But I do know that account. in the – well, no, no. But I, I'm saying one of the big blows to me in my life was when my former husband chose to do financial infidelity. You know, money would do big chunks of money. And I'd never even heard the term financial infidelity. But infidelity experienced that as well. But money – may not make you happy, but it gives you choices. And so it is a very important aspect to being a single mom that you can earn your own way and that no one can take that part away from you. No, it's not even can. Let's get out of this idea that not having your in- not having an income or earning potential is an option. Mm-hmm. You're an adult. Right. You are an adult living in a time of unprecedented opportunity for women. Somebody sure. fought for you. You should be voting because somebody fought for your right to vote and you need to be working and earning and having your own financial life because you are an adult woman in 2017 mm-hmm. in the Western world. It's over. And not yeah. socially isolated because of it. I mean, you're so, okay to, to do that. In fact, you should do that. It helps. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The The benefits, there is no science that supports that giving up your earning potential is good for anyone. There's science that supports children fare better when they have moms who work outside the home. Marriages are actually stronger when you have two parent partners that are working, earning and happy in their careers and the kids fare better. And the moms are far less likely to be uh, depressed, anxious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and beat up. Well, they have a purpose outside of the societal norms and I love how you are changing the ending of the story. And I think that's the message we want to also get across, is that if your story goes down a different storyline than you originally thought, it isn't necessarily bad. It actually gives you a do-over. It's a fresh page. Was that how you viewed it over time? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, just roll with it. It doesn't really matter what you think about it. You have to get on with it. So. You know, I have to tell you, like, just embrace it. Like, this is where you are. Maybe it's your choice. Maybe it's his choice. Maybe he cheated. Maybe maybe it was much uglier than that. You know, one thing mm-hmm. I felt like I was so alone because my divorce story was so weird. Mm-hmm. There's lots of weird stories. You know, people do. Right. They have psychotic breaks. Mm-hmm. They have uh, secret addictions. They have mm-hmm. crazy stuff out there. Crazy stuff. And on one hand, yes, you need to acknowledge that reality, work through it, understand why it happened know yourself. But on the other hand, it kind of doesn't matter at all. Right. Here you are. Here you are. Your only obligation is to get the heck on with it already and let it go. Go build your own life. Stop trying to get money from him, validation from him or anybody else for that matter. It does not matter. It does not matter. What matters is that you are safe. Your kids are safe and you are looking forward and building this new life. Whatever. Like you said, it's a clean slate. You can do whatever you want to do, but you can't if you're still hung up on what happened in the past. Well, that's what do they say? There's a reason that the rearview mirror is small and the windshield is large. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I've, I've always liked that one myself, and I, I think it's it's very true. And what you're talking about is what we've talked about briefly in the first segment, is that self-awareness is super important. I think it is important to grieve the loss of what you thought was going to be there. We're not very good grievers in this country. We move on sometimes faster than we need to to resolve some issues. But even if you solve or resolve some of those issues over a longer period of time – 
grieving what you lost, moving forward. Remember that becoming motivated, you don't get yourself motivated and then do something. Actions actually motivate you to do more. And so taking steps, no matter how small they are, really will help get you there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they are. You know, it's a a single mom who I like a lot as a become a friend of mine. She has a podcast and she said something. She's like, don't you just think single moms work the hardest? We just work Mm -hmm. the hardest. I'm like, I don't know if we do or not, but I think we just all work hard. We all work hard. And it's that one side competition, but, and two, hard work is fun. Like Julia Child, I love her. I love her story. I loved her. She has this great quote. She's like, you cannot have fun if you don't work hard without hard work. Does it without hard, you can't have fun without hard work. And the times of my life when I look back that were the most satisfying and fulfilling were the most intense. Yeah. When I was a young newspaper reporter and I was so ambitious and scared of failure and doing all this crazy stuff in Valdosta, Georgia, that was hard. And that was fantastic. My kids were tiny babies and I was a new single mom. It was so intense, but I have such fun memories of those times. Mm-hmm. You know, this work I'm doing right now, it's so intense in some ways, but I think I'm very proud of this work. It's so gratifying hard work. That's what gets people out of bed in the morning. Lean into it. Embrace it. Right. Well, and hard work gives you a purpose. And bringing up time and time again is that you're touching people with your stories, with your advice, with your guidance. You're not shying away from any of the hard topics, the money, the custody battles, the parenting issues, uh, dating, all of those things. If you adjust them, and and go for it. You really will work through and and you will end up a happier person, a more fulfilled person. And we like to say we help women thrive on this show because you flourish when you are happiest and when you are most fulfilled. So take a look inside and find out what makes you fulfilled. What you just said, but when you look back at the times you were most satisfied were the most intense. I don't know that people often take the time to realize that. Right, right. And you know what? I I swear the days I'm most satisfied are the days I worked really hard. Uh, I made money. I did work that was important to me. I went to the gym. I maybe spent time with my boyfriend. I had a really great evening with my kids, caught up on the phone with a girlfriend. I gave back in some way and it was like mm-hmm. a full day. I lived my life. I lived my life in my body. I lived my life intellectually, emotionally with my heart and serving in the world. And then I go to bed exhausted. Yeah, serve me up one of those days every day of the week. <laughs> Amen to that. I mean, I absolutely agree with you on that because I, it's very singular, one-dimensional lives. It It's survival, not living. And so many people accept their lives as opposed to live it. So what are some tips you would give just as we come to the end of our program? Some tips that you would give to people who are stuck, who can't quite get themselves moving in the right direction. Do something. Just do, stop trying to fit. You know what annoys me is when people are like, I'm going to take time off to figure it out. No, do something. <laughs> like, don't do less, do more. And to do something scary, you know, like if you feel like, you know, for example, you're stuck emotionally and something, like you're terrified of dating, go on a date, right? If you mm-hmm. are, and it can, you never know it's going to spark your interest. Like maybe you're afraid, uh, you know, you're stuck professionally. Well, maybe you take up a new, uh, physical activities, pl- learn to play tennis and you never, you know, it's like, you never know what's going to unstuck you. And, mm-hmm. and then also meet new people. I am such a, uh, we talked about community and mm-hmm. 
you cannot move into the next phase of your development if you are stuck with the old folks who are stuck there. You absolutely need to be surrounding yourself with new people. And they might not be the people you expect, right? So maybe you mm-hmm. are in a bad marriage and you want to get out. That doesn't Don't hang out with divorced people because they're all angry and yelling about their exes. Maybe it's like you go hang out with some really fabulous gay guys that like to go out and party. <laughs> you know, it, it might be, Just change or, it up. Change, change it up. up. Change it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly think that people do stay stagnant for longer, whereas it's the old Nike thing, just do it, honestly gives you the momentum. So where do people find out more about you in your blog? Can you give out the URL? Obviously, I will post the uh, Amazon link to your book, which I'm holding in my hand right now. Sure. Yes, so, go mom, be financially independent, discover your sexiest self, and raise fabulous, happy children by Emma Johnson. So yes. what's that URL? So Wealthy Single Mommy is ground zero for all of my work. I have okay. a uh, podcast. It's called Like a Mother. The book is The Kick-Ass Single Mom on Twitter. I'm at, at Johnson Emma. And I do want to quickly mention I have a Kick-Ass Single Mom grant. So every month I give away a 1000 bucks to an amazing woman doing incredible things. And this could be building an awesome business, uh, serving her community in an uh, amazing way. It's basically a mom that I find who's a single mom who's just awesome and is inspiring to the rest of us. I love it, Emma. Thank you so much for sharing this book with us, your philosophy, your energy, and your, your effervescence because it comes through and it shows that you can change the end of your story. I highly recommend The Kick-Ass Single Mom is a book that you will enjoy. And we will post all of these resources in the show notes. Emma, thank you again. And we are just honored to have your expertise with us. Women, we can thrive no matter what life throws our way. You can find out more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Thank you for listening today. And we will be back next week with more amazing guests and more advice and wisdom. Make it a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.